It's my privilege and delight to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning, for here is the living Word of God that gives us life, that gives us truth. This morning we turn in our Bibles, and we turn to Exodus chapter 33, and the text will be shifted slightly later and continue into chapter 34, and so I will begin at Exodus 33, beginning at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you. Let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him, and he took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head Toward the earth and worshipped. So far, reading of God's word. On July 20 and 500 and our 356 BC, before Jesus was born, there was a son born, and his name was Alexander, and we know him as Alexander the Great. And by the time he was 20 years old, he became king. He raised and gathered his army, and he went out to conquer. And he had an army that was invincible, that was unstoppable. And every land that he came against, he subdued, he conquered, and he began to establish the glory that he saw of Greek culture. And it is said that when he finally had finished all of his conquering, he did not say, look at what I have done, But it is said that he wept because there were no more lands to conquer. 
He had defined his greatness, his glory, in his conquering. And when that was finished, he did not know what to do. There was that sadness in him. We always look for glory, for something greater than ourselves. And in our text, we come to Moses, who was seeking glory. He was seeking God's glory. He wanted to see it. And it seemed like such a simple request. Show me your glory. And we think, well, you could ask that. And what was he asking for? in seeking the glory of God. Think of what Moses had already experienced. When God met him at the burning bush, God had revealed himself to Moses as the great I am, the self-sufficient, demonstrated that the bush was burning and not consumed. Moses had seen that and God had spoken to him. God had called Moses to be a spokesman, to go to Egypt, to confront Pharaoh, to say, let my people go. And it was in Egypt that as Pharaoh hardened his heart, that Moses exercised the power of God through the plague, turning all the water to blood, bringing natural disaster one upon another, until finally Pharaoh, having seen the power of God, was forced to say to the Israelites, leave. This was Moses who had stood before the Red Sea. When the Egyptians were coming after them, and the sea was in front of them, and he was instructed, hold out your rod, and he did so, and the sea parted. He saw the power of God at work through his words. This was Moses that God called up on the mountain. To the mountain that was covered with darkness, with a thick cloud. That the people who heard the voice of God were terrified. And Moses was called up and God would speak to him. And it is this Moses who had experienced all of this who makes this simple question. Think of yourself if you experienced half, a tenth of what Moses had experienced of the presence of God would say, wow, that is wonderful. That's enough to last me a lifetime. And yet Moses has this question of God. Show me your glory. Now, what do you think of when you hear that word glory? It's not a word that outside of church we use that much. We might say, it's a glorious day. The sun is shining. It's just the right temperature. Not cold like today. It, it, and, and we go outside and we, I just soak it in. This is glorious. We might think of glory as renown, of 
fame, of authority, of power that someone has as Alexander the Great sought his glory to be conquering, to be subjugating other nations. But Moses has already experienced all of that of God. He has seen the power of God. And still he asks this question, please show me your glory. What was he after? What was his desire? As Moses asks that question, God reminds him, no one, no man, can see me and live. And the issue was not that Moses was finite and God was infinite, but that Moses' nature was sinful and God is holy. And his holiness is so great, so intense, so infinite that it would consume sinners. And yet Moses is, is after a knowledge of God that is greater than the acts and the power of God that he has seen. He desires this intimacy with God, to know his very heart. Perhaps you have someone that you play with if you're a child, someone you work with or work for, and, and you get to know them, what they do, what they like, but th there's something more that you desire. You want to know that person's heart. What is it that they are, what they are like? What is it they live for? What is the essence of their being, their affections? And this is what Moses desires to know of God. Show me your glory. Show me your heart, what it is that, that defines you as you are God. And this is what Moses desires. And so, in one way, it's a simple question, but he is asking something of God that, that would reveal God's very being. And God gives that knowledge, that warning to Moses, you cannot see me and live. We can think of circumstances ourselves where there is something we, we want to see, where we're curious. We, we say, I want to see this. Growing up, we had this big boiler because we had greenhouses, and this boiler would be burning this natural gas, and you could just hear the roar of it. And there was this door in the front, and, and I said to my dad, I want to see that. And, and my dad said, you can see it when it's not working, but when it, is, when it is consuming all that gas, if we open that door, it would come out at you. And that's something of the glory of God, so great, so intense that Moses could not see it. And so his simple question was much more than just a simple question. It was a desire to see the intensity of God himself. But God does not simply say, no, 
He is gracious. And he says to Moses, here is how I can answer you. Here's how I can answer you. I can, I can show you a part, what you are capable of seeing and not being consumed. There is this gracious provision of God, a gracious answer to him. And as we live, as we desire something bigger than ourselves, something that is glorious, as we would seek God, where would we look for that? How do we understand the glory of God? What do you think Moses would receive if God showed him his glory? We tend to think of power, of authority, of might. And we are we're amazed at it. We stand in wonder. And sometimes there is in nature those things that just make us stand in awe. If you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you look down and you think, wow. Or growing up, I grew up near Niagara Falls and we would go there and, and the, the water would thunder over and it would crash at the bottom and you would just hear it. And you'd say, here is power. Here is the glory of nature. What then would Moses see if God revealed his glory to him? And it is not lightning. Thunder. It is not a power that overwhelms, that splits the mountain. But it is God revealing himself, his heart. He passes by and he proclaims his name, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Here is God revealing his heart. Here is God showing who he is. Yes, he declares his name, the Lord, the one that Moses had received the burning bush, the one who is self-existent, I am. He is God. What defines him? Mercy. Grace. Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. These characteristics of God. This is what is revealed to Moses, that God is merciful. He does not deal with us as we deserve. He knows mercy. He does not say, I'm going to make sure you get what you deserve. He is merciful. He is gracious. He forgives sin. And notice how there is the scope of sin. Forgiving, iniquity, transgression, and sin. However you approach sin, transgression of, of failings, of, of all these things, God is forgiving. God is slow to anger. He is not waiting 
to get you for something you've done wrong. He is slow to anger, his patience. He is the one who is abounding in loving kindness. It is not measured, given out in small portions. It is abounding, not limited. But here is God. His loving kindness, his steadfastness, his faithfulness. His truth that God who cannot lie reveals truth. And here he is revealing himself, his heart. And we think, if only I could have been there with Moses on the mountain. If if I could have been there and, and seen this glory of God. But you know, you and I, can see more clearly the glory of God than Moses. Why? Because we can see it in Jesus. And this is the gospel. This is the hope held out to everyone. Do you want to see the glory of God? Look to Jesus. This is God's glory. John writes in his gospel, John 1.14, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only Son of God. This was the glory of God. Paul, reflecting on it, as he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here is the glory of God. Here it is without limit. And it is held forth to everyone to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to find a God who is Defined this way, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. The truth that says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is the beauty. There is the glory to which we are invited. Now, many who saw Jesus did not see his glory. They rejected him. They scorned him. They crucified him. Why? Because the glory that they were looking for was not the glory of God. They were looking for the power, the authority, the might. That's what they wanted. They wanted the Messiah to come, to raise the army, to drive out the Romans, that they could be established and rule over the world. But Jesus did not come with might and power. The very people who wanted that would have been the ones who would have been destroyed because of their sin. So you think of Jesus as he came. His glory, in a sense, was obscured. 
the Christmas hymn that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. This was Jesus expressing the heart of God as he came in our nature. Not that he could establish his kingdom on the earth, but that he could establish that eternal kingdom, that he would make provision. And it was Jesus who revealed God's heart, who would say, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But he was revealing the glory of God. And it is in this that we live. And have our hope. You see, Moses did not say to God, I want to have your glory, but I want to see your glory. It was not that he was going to take this authority for himself, this glory, this power. He wanted to see it. That he might know God in that intimate way. And we need to remember that. Even in the church sometimes, there can be those who think that I need to have authority. I need to have power. People need to listen to me. And they forget. God, who has revealed himself to be a God of mercy, of grace, of patience, of faithfulness, of long-suffering, that this is what we must present to the world. This is what we must present to each other. That we are to be a church where there is a service to each other, not an authority. And as God and his word is preached, we cannot think that if we preach enough fire and brimstone that we will scare people out of hell. It is the beauty of holiness. It is the God of mercy and compassion. Yes, he is holy. And yes, he deals with sin. But how does he present himself? Where is his heart? It is one where there is a love, a love that is revealed to Moses, that is revealed to us, that is seen in Jesus Christ who laid down his life that we might have life everlasting. And this is the gospel that calls you to believe turn from your sin because you have found something far more beautiful, something far more glorious than what the world will offer you. It can offer riches, fame, pleasure. And God says, I offer you my heart, myself, in Jesus, my son. This is what will motivate us 
to forsake the world, to crucify the flesh, to follow Jesus even when it's difficult because we say what I have in him is the very heart of God. And this is the Christian's delight. But as Moses receives this truth, it's not only some historical issue, not even just fulfilled in Christ, but it is for Christians to think, to meditate upon. Because what is it that the Bible tells us as we consider, as we think about our Savior, Jesus. Paul writing to the church in Corinth will write in 2 Corinthians 3 beginning of verse 16 but when one turns to the Lord the veil is removed. Now where the Lord is the spirit is and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, as we seek the glory of God, as we would behold His face, we are changed. We do not remain the same. And our experience with God is not, well, I've got saved and now I'm going to live my life and wait for heaven. Notice what the text here says. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding Jesus Christ. And where do we do that? The scripture sets before us Jesus in his love in his compassion, in his mercy, as a source of forgiveness. And we behold his glory. We don't only do that in church. On Sunday, though, that is a great and glorious time that together we worship our God. And what are we reminded again and again in our worship? That we are coming to glorify God because he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Because he has shown us that mercy. And as we behold him, we see his character. And the spirit works in us to sanctify us, to give us that desire to be like our Savior to treasure and value what he is like. And so we are ready to serve one another. Why? Because in so doing, we are serving Jesus Christ. We are taking on his character, his nature. We are being conformed to his image. And therefore, it's not, that's below me. Somebody else can do that in the church? No, I can serve in the capacity, the opportunity that God gives because 
This is an expression. This is a way that I show the character of God to others and to the world. I don't have to be seen as significant and important as having authority, but I need to be seen as a servant. And we can be thankful for the leadership in this congregation of a servant's heart of those who lead. And may we see that and give thanks to God for that. That glory in Jesus Christ was not coming to rule over the nations on the earth, but to give himself. And in so doing, he established his kingdom. He showed the heart of God. He showed that desire and that invitation to us all. And yes, there is the dealing with sin, that Jesus died for the sins of his people. Yes, there was the finished work that Christ rose victorious, that he is the conquering king, that he is now ruling in heaven at the right hand of the Father, that all things have been given to him. And the truth is that we will reign with him forever and ever as Revelation ends. He gives us that picture. But it is not because we are so great, because we are so important, but because God raises us to share in the glory of Jesus Christ. Moses wanted to see that glory of God, to know God, to have that intimacy with him. Moses, who sought to have God glorified in his own life, who was concerned for the reputation of God in the world. When God had said to Moses, I'm ready to destroy this nation, they have, I've redeemed them, I've shown my power, my faithfulness, and you're on the mountain, and here they are worshiping a golden calf. And what does Moses say? They deserve it. Now you see, Moses already knew something of the heart of God. What does he say? Lord, take my name out of the book of life and save them. Think of that. The intercession. The heart of Moses was already one of a servant concerned for the glory of God. And now he wanted to know more. Show me your glory. And he sees the fullness of the love of God. Is that your desire? Do you approach Scripture that way? Do you read it and say, let me see your glory, Lord. Let me see your heart. Let me see your love. Let me see your compassion. That I may be filled with that knowledge. That I may say, I have seen the face of God. Now, I will live it. 
I will be transformed from one degree of glory to another. And the world may say, what are you doing serving more and more? You should become more and more important. And we say, I am in the eyes of God. I want to be like my Savior to show his grace and his love. I'm more concerned with him than myself, with his status than mine. And so I'm not living my life so that someday I'll get my mansion in the sky by and by, that I'll have a street of gold in front of my house, I want to see and experience the glory of God, that level of fellowship that I can only begin to imagine. And that desire is met to some degree already here as we are joined together with Jesus Christ. And we will know the fullness of that as we are glorified with our Savior and enjoy Him forever and ever. And there is the Christian hope. This is why we are to continue to ask God the same question that Moses had for him. Please, show me your glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, we see in Scripture the expression of your greatness, of your power, of your majesty, that you could make the earth tremble and the mountains shake. Yet, Lord, when Moses asked to know you, to know your glory, you revealed your heart of mercy, of grace, of patience, of loving kindness, of truth. We pray, O oh Lord, that we may seek after that, to know you as you have revealed yourself, to experience that grace and mercy in Jesus Christ, and to long for the fullness of that intimacy of heaven. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.